Yo, what's up? <laughs> it's your girl, DJ Narc. We're in London. So, some pretty crazy stuff went down in New Zealand. Ironically enough, the evening before the attack, I was watching something about New Zealand. Actually, I was watching something about the people that are deported back to Tonga, the Marquesa Islands, I suppose Samoa, excuse me, and how New Zealand was one of the places where people were deported from back to Tonga. And then the documentary took a bit of a turn and began to talk about New Zealand itself and the very contentious relationship and war that had happened between the native peoples who retreated farther and farther into the jungle and the colonizers. So for many reasons, When I learned about the attack a few hours later, my head was just spinning. Excuse me. It seemed so ironic that a population that had openly and viciously and violently attacked a native population upon arriving in a completely unknown land had once again turned its bloody eyes towards an innocent population. Now that's a pretty charged way to put it. An innocent population. And that's where I want to go with this because I'm tired of us pretending that history doesn't exist. So let's quickly go through it. Why are Muslims an innocent population? Why stress what's going on in Gaza? Why not just forget about what's going on in Syria or in Yemen or still going on in Iraq? Or perhaps it would be better to forget about those tens and thousands of people killed at the Pakistani border by drones just last year? Why is it important to talk about that population as an ummah, as one people, perhaps? Why is it important to talk about that group of people as an innocent group of people? Well, excuse me. It goes without saying that anywhere where you see aggression on such a large front against the same targeted population, you can pretty much be sure that the only reason that's happening is because there's large-scale propaganda going on around that population targeted towards them. So... How? When? Why? Well, 
it's interesting to note that there are no cases of suicide, killing, bombing, murder, act of political protest whatsoever, self-immolation, nothing, in the Muslim world until the occupation of Palestine. Excuse me. Kind of hard for me to talk about. And the reason that there is no such precedent until the occupation of Palestine is because it is strictly forbidden within the religion, of course. Of course. Like many things that we do not indulge in. However, if you take things out of cultural and historical context, they become very easy to demonize. So one way to put it is that suicide bombing originated in the Palestinian refugee camps. That's one way to put it. Another way to say that same thing would be to say that for the first 20 years of the occupation, Palestinians sat in the refugee camps and did nothing. Sure, they wore the keys to their homes around their necks because they were assured that only the streets were being redone and they'd be allowed to go home. And sure, they were still in those camps 20 years later and their children were having children. But they said nothing. And when troops came through with just knives because the bullets would warn too many people in the houses over and killed women and children by slitting their throats where they slept and where they worked, they still said nothing. It wasn't until a decade and a half in or so of saying nothing, having nothing, and having more and more taken away from medical supplies to school supplies. Even now, paper and pencil is not allowed into Gaza. Think about that. It's not just medicine and water. (laughs) Excuse me. So, it wasn't until things became untenable when the line between survival and death was so blurred by cruelty and occupation that this idea of the suicide bomber emerged. Now, let's take a broader view, just in case you think I'm being too specifically critical. If you look at the Middle East as a whole, and this goes for South America as well, prior to the intervention of Europe starting somewhere in the 50s, really post-World War II, but, you know, really got going in the late late 40s, early 50s, 47 onward, what you see is a concerted effort on the part of the Americans and the British mainly, but really everybody, to foment pseudo-revolution in the Middle East. Done specifically for the purpose of regime change. And that being done specifically to garner control of the natural resources of said countries. Now, we all know which countries they are, and we all know why, and what resource they possess. Funnily enough, a resource we're not even supposed to be using. I have a theory that this idea of oil being a... a byproduct of evolution of 
long dead bones and such things. I don't actually think that's true. I have a feeling that oil might be the lifeblood of this planet. And we're sucking it dry to put in our cars. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, and why would you need it when you can pull energy right out of the sky? Right out of the sunlight? Uh, anyway. It seems so ludicrous that we've been doing this for so long. Driving around in these highly combustible tin cans with rubber tires. I Listen. Anyway. Now, it was during the late 40s and early 50s that you see an enormous rise in what is now called militant Islamic thought. Have there always been wars of succession and expansion in the Muslim world? No more so than in the European world. Has there been an excessive amount of violence attributed to the ancient Muslim world? Not anywhere near what was going on in medieval Europe under Christianity. Nowhere close. We all know the tales of Jerusalem and what happened after the First and Second Crusade. When the Templars won, they closed the city walls and they killed the Jews, the Muslims, the Christians, the women, the children, the horses, the pigs, everything. They killed every single person in the city limits to the point where their horses were swimming in blood. We also know that at the end of the Second Crusades, when the Templars lost, they were given provisions for themselves, the children they had procured in the meantime, the wives they might have taken, and enough food and wealth to get them back home. We know this. We know that this idea, this completely false idea, that somehow violence is intricately embedded within Muslim thought. We know that this idea does not hold up when you look back through history. We know that at every turn, if you were to compare ideologies, you would find the Christian ideology to be, in fact, the most bloody, the most violent, the most torturous of any school of thought that's existed on the planet. <clears throat> Excuse me, which doesn't surprise me at all. Now, why doesn't it surprise me? Because it's based on pure love. The idea of Christ is pure love. So, of course, it's also going to create the very opposite. Now, we have to wrangle with the fact that it wasn't until the West created seditious intent within Egypt, within Iran, within India, right? It wasn't until there was a concerted effort to overthrow the will of the people and install what would in fact be a puppet leader in many, many places that you see people rising up, doing whatever they can, where they can. Interestingly, under Saddam, who was absolutely a puppet leader installed by the U.S., under his regime, there was not a single suicide bombing in Iraq, ever. It is not second nature to a Muslim person to kill themselves. This is a false narrative that has been 
highly effective, utilized so well uh, by those who would dehumanize a population to steal from it. And that's exactly what's happening. I'll never forget Adrian Brody's speech when he won for the pianist. First of all, the pianist, mm-mm. Yo, that movie. I can't even I can't even think about that movie. <laughs> that when he plays that piano, bro. <clears throat> I can't I can't I can't cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Hold on. Yeah, we got ice bitch. We're fancy in London. <clears throat> Yo, drink something, smoke something. Obviously, I need to as well. <clears throat> These pens are hilarious. They make you cough. So, in the speech, he says, I spent a lot of time with people who lived through the Holocaust while researching this film. And I know a lot of people and all the guys I know who are away at war right now. And the one thing I've realized about all war is that war is not possible. Large-scale murder is not possible until you dehumanize a population. People don't want to kill people, but people don't have a problem killing bugs. You got to make somebody less than human in order for the population to be on board with mass murder. And so in his speech, he urged that we look at ourselves and what we're being fed and wherever and however and for whatever reason you see that a population is being dehumanized, you got to stop and wonder why. What is it that they have to gain by making you feel like this population is somehow a subspecies to you? What do they want from you? Why would they want you to look at another human being that is literally down to the bones just like you? Why would they want you to think that that person was less than human? Let me give you a good example. Water that is actually usable to drink or bathe with, there's only about one milk jug full allowed into Gaza for the whole family per day. Which means you can either cook something small with it or maybe you can wash your face with it. So what happens is you have a population that's now walking around not bathing as much as they need to because they don't have water. Well, that plays perfectly into the narrative. Because the narrative on the other side of the apartheid wall is that these people aren't human, they're animals. So now you have to create conditions within that prison, within that open air prison. We haven't seen that since the Holocaust. Okay? In that open air prison, you now have to create a condition that's going to mirror the narrative that you're telling the people on the other side. These people have to believe that what's inside that those walls with those checkpoints with no way in or out <clears throat> they have to believe that the paradise they're living in 
is justifiable because the people within those walls are rats and they belong in there. Now, to make that narrative true, to really reinforce it every time one of those privileged people comes in contact with someone from inside that prison, that contact has to be so terrifying for them that they back anything you do to those people. When they come in contact with these people, those people have to appear to be subhuman. That's the only way you're going to continue something that's based solely in dehumanization, which is what apartheid is, which is what the UN has called it, okay? And how do you do that? Well, you don't give them any water. Very smart, diabolical even, demonic. Just don't give them any water. Every time you come across them, you live just on the other side of the wall. You have to remember, it's a first world developed country. There's running water, there's running electricity, kids play in the streets. It's very nice. So you, as someone who is growing up with all that being normal for you since the moment you're born, come across somebody who has one milk jug full of water for six people for the day. No pens, no paper, no medicine. Okay? You come into contact with someone like that, you will probably be afraid. Regardless of the fact that you are different religions or you are slightly different colors because you're not all that different. But you will be afraid. Now also, include with that that every time that other person that has no water Every time that person turns around, somebody else's house is being demolished. Somebody's child is being shot. Tanks roll through every day and just shoot kids with rubber bullets. That person will be so on edge and so angry that every interaction you have with those people is ensured to be highly tense and to reconfirm what's been put in place for you to believe. Now, if you don't think that's happening on a global scale, check out the shit that Bill Maher says. The UN has come out and said that it is apartheid, that what is happening right now, especially in Gaza, is tantamount to what was going on in South Africa. Okay, that's why so much of the police force of the U.S. goes to Tel Aviv to train and why they started going there more after Black Lives Matter. Oh, if you think this doesn't apply to you, trust me, it really does. It really, really does. When you have a 14-year war, a 20-year war, when you have hundreds and thousands of people's blood on your hands, it's a bit bizarre to sit on TV and say that the people who are in the open-air prisons, who are living under apartheid rule, are responsible for their conditions. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is Nazi propaganda. This is the Fourth Reich. Yeah, I know how ironic it is, but you know, because this is the same fucking playbook. And Bill Maher has been doing this for a long time. I've actually said that I think part of the reason that Trump got elected is because of Bill Maher. Because Bill Maher has been spewing anti-Islamic rhetoric. He's extremely racist. 
and has been for a very long time. And he got a lot of white male uh, Democrats to turn Republican by constantly talking and spewing this dehumanizing rhetoric about Muslims. I I really do think so. Because there's a certain slant to the people who can't see how racist Bill Maher is. And those are the people who really fuck with black people, don't have any kind of an opinion of like Hispanic people, they or Latinx people or whatever the appropriate term is now, don't really even care about like what the LGBTQ community is doing. They're, they're kind of fine with everything. But um, yeah, they hate Muslims across the board, not even realizing that that's not even a thing. I mean, they're Muslims of every color and every culture, like idiot. But yeah. Yeah. So now you are dealing with a a society, a global society in terms of media that has decided that they are going to take the oppressed people living in the conditions that I've described. And I didn't even come in close. I mean, you guys can find that out for yourself. It's not hard. But that population is now being villainized and dehumanized at the same time. They're subhuman, but they're also extremely dangerous. Right? That's and and it, there's so much dissonance to it because every time you turn around a white man with a gun is mowing people down but you keep being told that Muslims are dangerous Bill Maher is on TV telling you that Palestinians are the problem but every time you turn around a white man with a gun is indiscriminately killing people women, children, people praying people walking down the street just people, people in office buildings over and over and over again Can you begin to imagine what would be happening to Muslim people if all the shootings in the past year that white men have done were done by Muslims? Every single one of us would have been tagged and fucking camped by now. I'm telling you, this privilege, this racism and this privilege that I talk about, that so many people talk about, the reason we talk about it is because the terrifying conclusion is shit like this. Any other group of people. Let's just take Best Buy. This is my favorite example. What if people from Best Buy, every time you turn around, someone from fucking Best Buy was fucking killing people? Wouldn't at some point y'all get scared and be like, you know, we need to kind of like look at the people from Best Buy. Now, what's happening is people from Best Buy are running around fucking killing people indiscriminately. But on the TV, every time you turn on the TV, it looks like it's the people from Wendy's. Every time you turn around, it's someone from Wendy's killing people. So meanwhile, people from Best Buy run around killing everybody in sight. It looks like in damn near every fucking country. Because we could take it there, right? We could make this a global thing. Right? Everywhere you look. (laughs) Everywhere you look. You know why people are wiling. What the fuck is this? And yet the narrative, even though, like, literally last week, you had Bill Maher on TV saying that Palestinians are the problem, really implying universally that it's Muslims. And he said this over and over again, so he can't even deny it. He has often said that it is Muslim ideology that is a problem, ironically, because he doesn't know any of it. He doesn't know. His version of Muslim ideology is whatever he's seen on the fucking, you know, Reagan era news in the 80s. 
He's a fucking dinosaur. He doesn't even know what the fuck he's talking about. He's not well-educated. He's just witty. You know, which is, which is why he works, because he's empty. Right? He can go on this side. He can go on that. He, he, listen, you saw what he did. You saw the words that he thinks he can say and the words that roll off his tongue like it's nothing. That motherfucker takes all kinds of liberties. If you think for a second that when he said Palestinians are the problem, that he didn't mean all people of color are the problem, you bugging. Because you know he does. Just the way he fetishizes black women is disgusting. Like, you know what I'm saying about this man. This man is a fucking joke. And he has been for a really long time. But I digress. <laughs> we could go on and on about Bill Maher. Hey, how about you drink something? One second. <clears throat> Fancy ice. Let's smoke something. So. Last week you have this piece of shit saying this. And then this week you have a bunch of white men who orchestrate what is probably going to go down in history as one of the most cold-blooded acts of murder. Except didn't someone in Finland or Iceland do this a few years ago too. You see what I'm saying? Where are the scary movies about the white guys who just wake up one day and like just kill people? Where are all the weird uh, America's the best country in the world movies about how there's some psycho white guy who's going to go kill a bunch of people and we go and save the world by getting him? Where is all the glamour and the fed fanaticism about going and actually getting the fucking bad guys. And who are the fucking bad guys? <clears throat> it's these people who live in this, uh, this bubble of privilege. It's these people who absolutely believe down to the core of who they are that even though they're living in an occupied land, that they are within their rights to go and mow down in a place of worship another group of people who have, just like them, come to that place to seek a better life. It's weird how when people who don't have melanin change locations for a better life, there's really no fuss. Like I've told you, my ex-Danish husband got his visa and then green card appointment all in the same visit. My relatives waited... 12 years? <laughs> Why is it <clears throat> that when people who lack melanin want to travel geographically, move geographically for a better life, no one blinks? But then, when people of color do it, it's an issue all around. I'm beginning to think that what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. I'm beginning to think that all racism is, is an extreme double standard that is reinforced with violence. I can do it. You can't. If you try to do it, I'll kill you for it. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. 
So, then what? Right? Okay, we get it. It's fucked and you're being fed the complete opposite of what's happening. And the only real way for you to tell what's really going on is to constantly be asking yourself, am I being asked to dehumanize somebody right now? Is this thing that I'm watching, this person I'm listening to, this program, this rhetoric, this propaganda, is this asking me in any way to look at this other human being that I know is just like me and make me feel that that person is not like me, that that person deserves to be killed, that that person deserves to be maimed or shot at or imprisoned or have their organs stolen or I could keep going here. Whenever you feel like anything is making you feel like that, when you can see that the facts are very obvious and yet you are being told to deny what you think and what you feel and instead believe that this other group of people that you know instinctively are just like you are not. You see, because the, the, the premise of dehumanization, the reason it takes all this propaganda, all this work, all this money, this media push, the reason you have to do all this to sustain cruelty is because cruelty is not natural to the human condition. No matter how many fucking men want to tell you that it is, that's not the case. We, do not, we have not evolved competitively. This is a fucking lie. We have evolved cooperatively aggression solves nothing right so so what I was saying was people in positions of power when they ask you to tap into this cruelty vibe when someone who has a lot of privilege cries victim be it a white lady at a park who's afraid of a barbecue or a woman who walks up to the car and hits you and then calls the police because she feels threatened by you or a group of people who live behind a wall with every privilege that you could possibly imagine uh, <clears throat> and say that they're afraid of another group of people who have next to nothing in comparison. Whenever you are confronted with a very compelling rhetoric that you should be cruel. In this situation, it is okay to be cruel. In every other situation, it's not okay. Right? You, you person out there who's listening to this or whoever sent you this, you, if you have a dog you would do anything to not have that dog go through what Palestinians go through every day. Every day, Do you understand that? Your heart could not bear it. Your heart could not bear it if that dog you love was treated like a Palestinian child in Gaza or West Bank is treated. You know, there are child prisoners in Israeli jails that are young as five. Did you know that? 
Did you know that torture and sexual molestation is common in those jails? Did you know that most young men leave paralyzed from those jails? Because there's a very specific technique that you can use to do that. Whenever any group of people in a position of power cry victim and try to ensure you that any cruelty they are now using is only in defense of themselves and their safety. I mean, isn't that the rhetoric on the border? With the families and the kids and everything, we're doing this to keep our borders safe. Man, what a compelling argument. Anytime you are being confronted with the ideology that cruelty is necessary to ensure safety, trust me, you are being talked backwards into your destruction. That's not how that works. You don't get more safe by being more unjust. (laughs) It doesn't even energetically make sense. Just think it through. If you're afraid of something, why on earth would you be cruel to it to make it more unsafe? But see, that's only if you're buying into the rhetoric. It's not about being unsafe. We all know that what's going on at the border isn't about keeping America safe. You know that, right? I mean, everybody knows that, right? You think those walls are on Gaza is because they're afraid? Sure, I'll give you this. That particular piece of the world, the propaganda has worked very well. Because... The result of the cruelty was so terrifying. What is going on in a place that a person gets to the point where they say, I'm going to blow myself up? See, that's where the rhetoric goes left. We've been told in the West that the reason those people started blowing themselves up is because they have this book that tells them to do it. And it's all the fault of this ideology. Anyone who's even had rudimentary history in college knows that's not true. Anyone who knows anything about the CIA knows that's not true. Anyone who knows basically anything knows that it has nothing to do with that. Suicide bombing didn't originate from an ideology. It originated from an environment. There's nothing in Islam that teaches you to blow yourself up. Hate to, you know, rain on your parade. Nowhere does it say, go kill yourself, because people are treating you bad. (laughs) Nowhere. Not a once. Not a once. You have to question what was going on in the environment because if it was something that was specific to the ideology, why happened in the 60s? All this time, the religion's been around. Why didn't anything like this ever happen before? Ever. Anywhere. You see? It's too easy to take a few facts and be correlative and say, oh, well, this is why this. Well, no, not at all. Not at all. That same book, again, hates to break it to you, that same book, a lot of people got that book. A lot of people. None of them came up with the idea of blowing themselves up, taking themselves out with a bunch of other people. Not a once. Not a once. But you know what? If you look into Layla Khaled and a couple of other people, you're going to see that there was an entire generation that was born and raised in those camps. 
those camps in Lebanon, those camps in Jordan, those camps in what used to be their own homeland, with mud floors and no heating and horrible winters and people dying everywhere and only the clothes they left with and growing up with parents who had lived in normal homes who told them stories about how they'd go back and then turning 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, 26 and realizing, holy shit, there is no going back. They built a whole city in the neighborhood we used to live in. There is no going back. You got to look at your parents who are still wearing those keys around their necks and going, yo, I don't, think, I don't think we live there anymore. And the parents just defiant, you know, glassy-eyed, like, no, we're going to go back. Our life is not a refugee camp forever. As a, as a people, as a nation, you can't refugee an entire nation. It's not possible. Of course we'll go back. Of course we'll go back. But there you are, born in those camps, raised in those camps, right? Khaled was raised in those camps. And you realize that you are a political prisoner, that you are a victim of time, that technologically the world moved around you quickly because of these two huge world wars that swapped all kinds of tech and all kinds of people and all kinds of deals and all kinds of new alliances. And this small, not nomadic, but not greatly political, not a warring people, a settled people, Christians, Jews, Muslims, everyone, that lived there, they just weren't involved in all the tumult of what became the 20s, 30s, 40s, early 50s. They just weren't on that wave. And just like the settlers who landed in America, they were confronted with a people that had no good intentions towards them. (laughs) That summarily moved them away and eradicated any trace of them. And now we have this uh, solidarity movement. We saw it during the Dakota Access Pipeline situation where we had signs up there with the Lakota that said we stand with the Palestinians and we had signs in Gaza supporting the people up there. And you could see how these people have found each other because they realize what's being done. They realize that they are a casualty of time. That time and technology and intention globally moved without them. And they didn't have a powerful enough voice politically, geographically, economically <clears throat> to, uh, to be found worthy of sovereignty. So, now, we look at those people who have been disenfranchised from uh, the, the dirt their bones are made of, and we think to ourselves, these people are the problem. If these people would just, you know, 
stop and go away, but where, where should they go exactly has always been the question. You know, maybe someone could point to it on a map. Just like uh, it seems so vile to me when uh, Americans, white Americans, or I don't know how else to qualify it now if you're a racist uh, slavery era American, uh, say fucked up things to black people. Like, how is that okay when you're directly responsible for how they got here? That's weird. That's, you know, like it's like calling Palestinians animals. Okay, well, you've put them in refugee camps for how long, you know, like, I mean, there is a, you know, there are reasons for why things happen. And it is irresponsible to take 50 plus years of meddling in the cultural and geographical affairs of completely other cultures and then wipe that away like it's a dry erase board and write the word Islam on the board and say, hey, look, this is why they hate us and this is why they want to kill us and this is why you have to be afraid and this is why when we kill them, you should be happy. Whether it's our drones, our soldiers, or just our random average white guy. This is why it's okay because this is ideology is why we have to kill them. Now, did that ideology have anything to do with the interventionist policies of the U.S.? In the 70s, in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 40s? No. No one came into Palestine and said, Islam is fucked up, we're just going to take this land and give it to somebody else. Never happened. The British didn't go into Iraq and carve it up, or what became Iraq, and carve up that area because they had some sort of a gripe with Islam. Never came up, wasn't on the table. (laughs) Philosophy just wasn't the matter of the day. It was really about expansionism and colonization. And then having to, you know, no empire no longer. And having to give back the empire. Well, if we're going to give it back, we're going to strategically cut it up in a way that when we give it back, it won't work without us. How can we leave that out and instead take everything that's happened that is, you know, it's, it's, it's there. You can look it up. None of this is closed to you. You can Google it. You can look it up in history books. It's all there. None of it is hidden. How can you know all of that and yet take this paintbrush and smear a a philosophy, a philosophy, a a way of life like many others? How can you ignore every really diabolical when you look into it effort that was made i mean the only reason you know the only reason that rhetoric doesn't work in south america is because almost everybody's catholic and then within those countries they demonize the native populations but the cia has been doing the same shit in south america that it was doing in the middle east and it encountered the same problems and the same bloodshed and the same corruption and the same cruelty and the same death and the same inabilities of those countries or cultures to progress as they should have because of said interventionist policies, you see? But the only reason their ideology isn't demonized is because their ideology is the same as the West, so that's not going to work. So instead, they're demonized instead by crime. 
they're not bad people because they believe in a certain type of monotheistic God. Or they believe in everything we believe in with one extra person. No, they're not bad because of that. They're bad because they're all in the cartel. They're bad because, and look how that, you, you see, you see, same thing. They're all, it's a, so Mexicans can't be coming across the border just because they're Mexican. Mexicans have to be coming across the border because they are dehumanized to being cartel members. They're all in the cartel, right? And the, and right? And you already know what that means. You see? So wherever you see that rhetoric being used, because there's only one game in town, remember that. Actually, there's more than one game. The other game is called Hydration. Drink something, bitch. Ooh, this stuff is called, I just want you, I just want to, I just want you to know what I'm drinking. It's called Double Dutch. It's cucumber and watermelon. I think it's a premium mixer, which I am drinking by itself. Oh, maybe that's why my stomach is rumbling. Apologies. Um, it's really good. So what are you supposed to like mix it with alcohol? Anyway, it's really good. It's like soda. Anyway, wherever you hear that same game, that only game in town being used, smoke something. Just know that you are being asked to step out of the field of creation. Just know. The space you're being asked to enter when you agree to that intellectual contract is a place where nothing can grow. But let me come back to that. Let's talk about Hassan Minaj. Can we? Should we? Let's do it. Why not? Hassan Minaj posted something about how we all have to remember that we are all, in fact, Muslim. We are all, in fact, the same. We are all, in fact, a community. We are all, in fact, etc., 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 all the things that a well-known Muslim at this time should come out and say when a group of people in a concerted effort have been massacred halfway around the world in and during a worship service. Makes sense. Nice snazzy little hashtag. Thanks, Hassan. Or Hassan. Thanks. Fun fact. Hassan is married into an Indian family. Some of whom I have had the unfortunate experience of being around. If you're making connections, go ahead and make them. Let me tell you something about these people. These people hate Muslims. I mean, they really hate Muslims. Really, really, they do. And they're just about a hop, skip, and a jump from really hating black people. Uh, Talk about them like dogs. Actually, it was... One of the people whose family he's married into, and one of her closest friends, who once said to me that their families had told them that everything was okay except BMWs. You guys ready for this? No blacks, no Muslims, 
No whites. Let the fetish, fetishization of the Latinx begin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you see how the lost brown guy is all about the Latina girl now? Because their motherfucking parents have told them these brown, racist as fuck, anti-Muslim, fucking hate black people. No Muslim, no black people, Muslims are whites. That's what it is, BMWs. These motherfuckers, (laughs) they fetishize Latin women now because it's the only thing, or Asian women, that's the other one, because it's the only thing they're allowed to bring home because their parents are so fundamentalist Hindu, so far on the right that they not only voted for Trump, they canvassed for Trump. Let me say that again. They canvassed for Trump. They went out in their communities. They had pujas at Mandir's. Are you here with me? <laughs> they had pujas at Mandir's to ensure Donald Trump's victory. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Do you understand the level of fucking racism that we're talking about? When you can look at another person who has the same exact fucking skin color, same exact fucking features, almost, almost. Not all of us want to hand you that honey glazed, almost. Right? Those bitches. That bitch. Yes. 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 And can I tell you, these hoes that hate Muslims, every person in that side of his family didn't like that post. These are hoes that stay posting pictures of him, candid photos of him on their pages. They follow him. They are just on his dick 24-7. They'll post pictures. Okay, this is how you know a bitch is pressed. They'll post pictures where they not even really in the fucking pic. Where the pic, where the part where they in is blurry as fuck. And they'll try to cover it with some witty caption or some shit. Because they still gonna post that picture because they so fucking thirsty. And the only person that's clear in the picture that you could actually see, Hassan. Oh, sorry, Hassan. <laughs> this motherfucker yo can you believe that those same bitches those thirsty fucking hoes that will pay the post the most blurry fucked up photo of themselves where you can't even tell that that's that that's that person that's just like that's a blurry tree stump oh my it was bad enough in focus those bitches will post photos Will post photos. Those photos. The blurry bitches. Because he's in it. Jock his shit on his page. Sucking his dick. I'm telling you. Did not like the post. Yo, all those men, women, children in a place of worship doing nothing wrong were fucking gunned down. That's your relative. Your peoples is married to him. You on his page, sucking his dick every other day. What? What? Because y'all fucking hate Muslims like that? Like that, my G? Like that? 
And you fucking married into this shit? These people who you could catch at every other bar, this, there, and the other, talking about Muslims, talking about black people, talking about white people, talking about everybody. And not the way we talk about it. Because, yes, of course, I use the term white and black because we're living in this fucking slavery era. I'm trying to fucking articulate it. Yeah, of course I use those terms. But I'm never, yo, I'm never standing around saying shit. You know what the type of shit they say? They say, like, I'm trying to say constructive shit. Like, please don't be entitled because of this and this and this. Or, hey, please try to look at it this way. These are the type of people who say shit like, my parents don't want me to bring home a white person. My parents don't want me to bring home a black person. Equally wrong. Both of those are equally wrong. Equally fucked up. These are the type of people that can't wait to tell you that they know this motherfucker. Their pages are full of pictures of him. Even blurry pictures of him. What can I even tell you? Though these hoes. Oh, God. But then he put something up, and he's a Muslim relative of yours. And you don't even have the fucking decency to like the photo. Not his wife, not the fam, not nobody on that side. Not nobody. Not nobody. And you know why? Because those people, for them, the fact that those people were in a mosque praying is enough of a reason that they should be killed. Because those same people are the people that my ex showed my photo to, those same people, and he told me himself when he flipped through the photos and he got to the one where I was wearing a headscarf and I was in the mosque, those people were the ones who were like, ugh, disgusting. Are you kidding me? For them... A Muslim just being in the act of praying is enough of a reason to be killed. There's nothing wrong with that. You, you think I'm jumping? You think I'm leaping? You think that's, that's too far of a leap? Really? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because you do have parts of India right now where fundamentalist Hindus are killing Muslims just because they eat beef. That's also happening. You do have a president right now who all these fucking Bollywood actors... Oh, by the way, this is like the same shit as like Ashwarya and all those douchebags taking photos, selfies with Netanyahu. Yo, this shit is disgusting. But you have all these different actors and all these people coming out and supporting a president who, if you go back and just Google him, the most prominent thing you're going to learn about him is that he's a war criminal. That he incited murderous riots against Muslims in India not too long ago that he was on a list of people who were not allowed into the U.S. because they were war criminals and Obama was not happy about having to let him in but he became the prime minister of India and so he had to be let in but until he was elected prime minister was not allowed into the U.S. because he's a war criminal a known war criminal who purposefully incited fundamentalist Hindus to murder Muslims in the street and tear down a mosque. That's the person who currently runs India. Right? So when you look at all of this, you quickly see that on both sides of the equation, you have people for their own reasons who have decided that hating Muslims simply for 
the act of believing in Islam is more than okay. Actually, it justifies murdering them in cold blood. You have no feelings about it whatsoever. You have nothing to say about it. You don't even have the time to like a photo. For you, it's as if that didn't happen. Now, these same people, if there were, God forbid, any other kind of people mowed down, any other kind, they would be the first person on their pages to express some sort of heartfelt sympathy. I once read somewhere that the only people in the world that you're not allowed to have compassion for are the Palestinians. Everyone else, you're allowed to feel compassion towards. Everyone else, when you hear of what they're going through, you are allowed to have a heart and say, my God, that's fucked up, that shouldn't be happening. What do you mean they only get this much water? What do you mean they can't pass the checkpoints? What do you mean kids are molested at checkpoints? What do you mean they come out of prison paralyzed? What do you mean? What are you saying that the bodies are brought back without organs? What do you mean they tear down their houses? Are you kidding? No, no, no. But you're not allowed to have compassion. You're not allowed to ask what do you mean because the means are just justified. (laughs) They're justified because... This is the only way to deal with animals. Right? In the same way, there is nothing wrong with not acknowledging that a lot of people were murdered, targeted specifically, and then afterward, uh, there were many voices coming out and saying that it was okay and that it was right, and just reinforcing the same doctrine of never remembering anything historically. And just acting like none of it is happening. Apathy. Apathy, as far as I'm concerned, is complicity. If you don't feel a certain way about injustice, you're complicit with it. This is the Howard Zinn thing. You can't be neutral on a moving train. What do you mean? You don't feel this way or that way about people living in open-air prisons, Holocaust-style? Really? You have no opinion of that? You didn't happen to pass by that page where you on there sucking his dick every other day, jocking his shit, but you passed that post and you just didn't feel like today was the day to bring your tree stump ass over there and like it? Is that how it is? Apathy is complicity with evil. Because apathy is just a lazy form of it. It's the same fucked up shit. This is exactly what people talk about when we do these blanket, oh, why didn't the Germans do anything? Because they were apathetic. They didn't care. Some of them, yeah, we didn't really know. We didn't know the extent of it. Yeah, okay, but... You didn't really care. (laughs) Even if you had known, I don't know. Maybe some of them had cared, but most of them wouldn't have. Drink something, please. Why would you care? Might be too scary to care. Might get your head cut off for caring too much. Stick to yourself. Just keep your head down. Not the moment for caring.
Let it happen. It'll blow over. It's not that big a deal. It's just little kids getting shot in the head. Men crawling into prayer positions. Being shot in the back. It's just women and children at their most defenseless, being picked off like fish in a barrel. That's always when you know that they know they're wrong. Because if you think you're right, you meet people face on, you fight them. But if you know you're wrong, if you know that you need to dehumanize just to feel human, that you've had privilege for so long that you don't know how to be human without taking someone else's humanity a little bit. When you can't be full without more than you deserve, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to become quite toxic and think that you should have it from whoever that somehow you must maintain this what in your eyes is an equilibrium of you being superior to everyone around you and the moment that it becomes obvious that you might not be superior that you might in fact be equal it becomes time to turn a fellow human being into an animal an animal you can shoot in the back an animal whose children you can shoot in the head An animal who you can make t-shirts about when they're pregnant with a target sight on the belly that says, one shot, two kills. Google that. It is when we are turned into these animals by anyone who has generationally been taught that privilege is what makes them human. And to be superhuman is their right. It is then (laughs) that you are asked to justify their dehumanization with your consent. And you do so either by saying nothing, apathy, Or by agreeing with them. Which again is just diabolical. So. (laughs) It's not that hard to see. 
that a certain population has been picked globally to be the scapegoat for many wars of profit. And it's not hard to see that the demonology and the vilification that has happened to the religion and the people who follow it has everything to do with encountering a force that probably wasn't as easy to conquer as one had hoped. There are many mystical stories from Guantanamo on down of people, soldiers, warriors that they cannot explain, that can do things they cannot explain. There are many myths that have built up around these traditions of the Mujahideen. Very interesting to look into. But we find ourselves in a bit of a stalemate between a pervasive force that will not stop and wants the resources any way it can get them, (laughs) Venezuela. And a people that regardless of how they are currently characterized have always known that the point of the lifestyle is to attain a certain mental peace, a certain mental peace and oneness with the world, which may misread as a willingness to die. It is not. But one where the world is seen as the temporary travel that it is. I think blaming the ideology has a kernel of truth in that those who would control the region have run up against a brick wall and the brick wall happens to be one of not falling into despair because as you may or may not know in Islam despair is not allowed you are not allowed to despair because it means uh, very specifically that you do not believe that God can fix things You are not allowed to despair. And so regardless of the condition, one is bolstered by the fact that things will only get better. It stands as a true testament to belief because it gives you great strength. And I think that's pretty obvious. But now we stand at a dangerous very dangerous crossroads because we have people coming out the day after such horrific events and saying things about how kind of, sort of, but not really, but maybe it was all okay because maybe they deserved it. This is white supremacy. This is the resurgence of imperialism. This is what I guess in America by the militia has been called for a long time a race war. And it is going to get much uglier. I think now is the time where we begin to differentiate between what we are told and what we feel and know 
And that's important in Pisces season. I think right now it's really easy to read what's going on. And I think it's important to sit with it and make up your own mind about what truly is important. Is it humanity? Or is it a story that somebody tells you about how somebody doesn't deserve to be treated as human? Because if you strip the politics away and you strip the names away and the sides and the religion and everything away, and you look at these groups of people as just humans that are doing things to other humans, I think you'll quickly discover that once the narrative is stripped away, you know it's wrong and you know it in your bones. And you know if someone tied your dog up like that for three days and then sat on his back and your dog's back cracked, I know that you would know that was wrong. Right? I think it's time to start looking at things that way because just like the 40s and 30s and the 40s, we are now being from all sides inundated with propaganda. And the propaganda is all underneath the pretty melodies. It's all the drum beats of war. Those are the war drums you hear. And this next war, well, you already know what happens. Why do you think we're still wondering about the fucking pyramids? But the only way it happens is if we normal common people buy into the lie that there are other people out there just like us who deserve to be treated like less. Who for whatever reason, skin color, religion, ethnicity, are not allowed to be human and are not allowed to be cared for. We are not allowed to have compassion for them. I think now is the time where we decide if we will be those Germans who will go down in history as having allowed the Holocaust. Now is when we decide if we are commiserate through our apathy Or if we say no, and we don't allow it emotionally, like Hunter S. Thompson said, it's a vibe, you can feel it. Well, you're just not down with that. People can take one look at you and they know not to say some racist bullshit around you. And they know not to say some fucked up shit about this, that, or the other. They just know, they could tell. I think it's time now. I think it's time to start having uncomfortable discussions about politics in places where people tell you not to talk about those things. I think once you can see the fascism approaching, I think it's time to talk about it, yes. Because even if you have no real concern one way or the other for a religion coming out of the Middle East not too long ago, you must realize in one way or another you are also a minority and once you allow the large-scale targeting of any minority you are in fact putting yourself in those sites which is the most interesting part of this horrific uh, brown on brown hate 
How incredibly stupid do you have to be as a person to hate people who look just like you and vote against your own best interest? As if Donald Trump would have the sophistication to know the difference between a Gujarati and a Punjabi. Idiots. They really thought he was going to know? We're, we're too... It's laughable almost. We're too good for this. We're too old for this. We're too 2019 for this. To me, it seems like anyone who's in any way racist or a, a phobe, transphobe, Islamophobe, anything, it just seems like they're so, like, 1982. Like, I just don't get it. Like, what happened? Did, where did your evolution stop? You know, where was your, and I'm going to use the word properly so you don't think I'm using it in a fucked up way because I would never, but where was your evolution retarded? Because that's what that word actually means. It's properly used. Like, when did that happen? That you just somehow got stuck in, like, the ethics of the 80s? Like, you're, like, a white person from the Reagan era. How the fuck did that happen? How do you think you're a white per- Reagan-era white person? Like, this is what these, like, whacked South Asians are walking around thinking. It's fucking hilarious. As if, as if, they wouldn't be the first people these fucking people rounded up and put in camps if they thought that it was time to round up the Muslims. You think these motherfuckers know the difference between a fucking red dot and a green veil? They don't. Y'all are stupid. But, you know. <laughs> I left a comment under Hassan's post. Like, I love how you're neither your wife or none of your family on that side like this fucking post. Like, you fucking ingrate. But let's see, you know. <laughs> it's that, like, it's... The anti-Islamic rhetoric is steeped so far into any culture that now needs a scapegoat, that now needs some sort of an excuse for its own mediocrity. You know, like this constant debate that still like rages where like Indians and Hindus are still so pissed about Muslims and Pakistanis and they're just being a Pakistan at all, right? I can see it kind of. It's kind of like if black people decided tomorrow that they were going to take the South and just be out and that the rest of America could kiss their ass and Atlanta was going to be their new capital and like whatever, Miami, Atlanta, Orlando, Tampa, Houston, all of it. Like it's all ours now. We're going to take the South and the Southwest and y'all can just go fuck yourselves and we're going to be over here. We're going to draw a line right here. We're going to make our own military. We're going to do this, this, this. And like we got a new name, you know? Wakanda what's up bye like can you imagine what white Americans would be like imagine if just really just one day they were like bye we out we're taking the economy we're taking everything bye we're out that's basically what happened in Indian Pakistan right you had this minority population that felt really really disenfranchised and really alienated and was treated like second-class citizens third-class citizens in fact and was like, yeah, we want our own space. We want to get the fuck away from this. There were other minority groups that actually wanted the same thing. But population-wise, they weren't big enough. And the, the ones that were big enough were cajoled by the Indian authorities to come back into the fold. So, of course, there's always been this aggression and this hatred towards Muslims from the other side because they feel that 
that part of their country was stolen, just like I'm sure white people would be heated if, you know, like I said, black people just took the South and were out. Of course, of course, it would be mayhem in the streets, you know? It would be fucking awful. I know it. I know it. And yet, even though we know we can culturally see where these hatreds and these racisms and everything come from, I find it hard to believe in 2019, sitting, you know, in the West, one would think still that there was any credence to us and them being any different. Really. You know, the only difference between me and Tree Stump, thank God, is, uh, I don't know, I don't put my bare feet up at weddings after they cut the cake. Listen, I could go on and on. You know, just disgusting. Like, I don't know. You know, we're all we're all the same. And yet, propaganda and rhetoric has taught us that hating another group of people is just fine. And that's where they get you. So that's what you just can't do. And maybe if we realize that deeply, then we would all be more shocked and more saddened by what's happened. Because I can't be too upset about it because I know that the people that died, they're good. It's all good. It's okay. And I can't be sad about it because in Islam you only get three days to be sad. And I can't be sad about it because I'm so proud of us as a community for being as strong as we are. And I can't be sad about it because one way or another, if it happened, it was meant to happen. But I can be alarmed and aware and informative about it. And I can notice and keep my eyes open to everyone who says or doesn't say anything about it. And I can conduct myself from this point on knowing that there are people who absolutely thought that what happened the other day was more than fine. And I have to be aware now of where those lines are drawn, just like I think Hassan, sorry, Hassan should be. Because we all have people that seem like they're standing right there, rooting in our corner, you, you know, in pictures with us, that you would think really fucks with you. But those are the same people that wouldn't give a fuck if that was your family member getting shot in the head. Because aside from your clout, yo, my dude, they fucking hate you. They can't fucking stand you. Right? Drink something.
yums, cucumber, watermelon, smoke something. So that's what I got for you, fam. Man, oh man. I took down Ineffable for a while. I'll put it back up. It's just such a heavy one, you know? You know how much I love you. I mean, I hope you do. I know sometimes, like, it takes longer to put up than I'd like. But things are just happening so fast. And somehow I just knew that I wasn't quite done with the tree stump thing. And when this happened, it just rubbed me so much the wrong way. And then I just kind of found it and I knew that this was the angle I wanted to take. Keep safe, okay? Be careful out here. Uranus and Taurus, things are going to move scary fast in scary directions in every direction and I suspect all the way until Libra season we'll be trying to keep our balance and the end of Pisces season can make you feel like you've been knocked off your balance for sure but it's time to hunker down and really rest now because it's almost time to get up and work get up and take a run you know But before a good run, before a marathon maybe, you need some sleep. I love you. (laughs) It's your girl DJ Nark. I'll see you next week. Bye.